ECO Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. Eco Report is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello and welcome to Eco Report for WFHB. I'm Patrick Callanan. And I'm Sarah Callanan. And for our feature today, we will hear IER reporter Enrique Sands talk about a carbon credit bill. That's coming up later in the program, but first your environmental headlines. Purdue University engineers have created white paint that can keep surfaces up to 18 degrees Fahrenheit cooler than their surroundings, but without consuming energy. According to the researchers, the paint would reduce the need for air conditioning by absorbing nearly no solar energy. In a paper published in October in the journal Cell Reports Physical Science, the researchers show that compared with commercial white paint, the paint that they developed can maintain a lower temperature under direct sunlight and reflect more ultraviolet rays. Commercial heat-rejecting paints currently on the market reflect 80 to 90 percent of sunlight and cannot achieve temperatures below their surroundings. The white paint that Purdue researchers created reflects 95 percent of sunlight and efficiently radiates infrared heat. The researchers considered over a hundred different material combinations. They landed on a formulation made of calcium carbonate. This compound, used as the paint's filler, allowed the formulation to behave essentially the same as commercial white paint, but with greatly enhanced cooling properties. They also have a high concentration of particles that are different sizes, allowing the paint to scatter a wider range of wavelengths. Long-term weathering studies are underway. The critically endangered North Atlantic right whale has been spared, at least for now, from exposure to seismic surveys. In search of gas and oil under the ocean, Fossil Fuels Company blasts seismic air guns in habitat that is critical for the world's most endangered whale species. Fewer than 400 of the whales are left. Seismic surveys involve continuously blasting seismic air guns that would injure, harass, disturb, and possibly kill whales, dolphins, sea turtles, and other marine life across 200,000 square miles of ocean. Seismic air guns produce a sound louder than a rocket launch and 16,000 times louder than a standard air horn. The air guns fire at 10-second intervals, 24-7, for months. The blasts would drown out the calls that right whales use to hunt, navigate, and communicate with each other. The environmental law firm Earth Justice and its supporters spent almost two years in litigation challenging the legality of permits for seismic surveys that the federal government issued in December 2018. 
industry never obtained approval to carry out the surveys. The permits would have allowed fossil fuel companies to undertake seismic surveys even if they damaged marine mammals and thereby escape legal responsibility for the damage. Besides their harm to animals, seismic surveys open the door to offshore oil and gas drilling. Efforts are ongoing to obtain permanent protection from offshore drilling. President Trump's highly controversial pick for the Supreme Court, Amy Coney Barrett, answered questions in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee as part of her nomination hearings for the top legal job. Her answers did not give encouragement to environmentalists. Barrett's conservative legal views have raised concerns that she will push the court further to the right in ways that could be difficult to reverse for years or even decades, noted the Washington Post last month. Although her environmental record is sparse, there are deep alarm bells ringing. Earth Justice argues that Judge Barrett appears willing to undermine our environmental laws and that her record demonstrates her willingness to interpret environmental laws like the Clean Water Act narrowly in favor of industry interests. They also say that Amy Coney Barrett's record suggests that she may be willing to strip government agencies of the power to protect the environment and to further close the courthouse doors to those seeking justice. And justice may be denied on what to many is the biggest issue of them all, climate change. Barrett was asked about her views on climate change and took the skeptical line that she could not comment because she was not a scientist. Harvard Law professor and former Obama administration official Jody Freeman told NPR Radio that with the appointment of Barrett, quote, it's going to be a corporate court, good for business, good for corporations, end quote. And that can only be bad for climate and bad for all of us. Earth Justice argues that we need justices who recognize the government's obligation to protect the environment and public lands for all people. Given the Republican record over the last 20 years, it would have been surprising if someone with a pro-environmental record had been nominated. As Lordstown Motors gears up to start making electric pickup trucks, the state wants to make sure those vehicles can be charged. Drive Ohio finished a study and has now released a statewide strategy for electric vehicles. The key recommendation is to have charging stations available every 50 miles along interstate, state, and U.S. routes in Ohio. Many long-finned pilot whales were found stranded on beaches in Tasmania, Australia. About 500 whales have become stranded, including at least 380 that have died, the AP reported. It is the largest mass stranding in Australia's recorded history. The stranding started on September 19th when the whales became stuck on sandbars on Tasmania's west coast. Rescue efforts started the next morning and successfully helped 50 whales back into the water. On the following afternoon, rescuers were trying to save the remaining 30 survivors, the Guardian reported. There's no clear reason why stranding occurs, but several theories exist, including the notion that whales become confused if they get too close to the shoreline. Since whales are social creatures, it might take only one confused whale to lead an entire pod ashore, BBC reported. Stranding of pilot whales occurs in other parts of the world. 
Five were stranded near Tampa Bay last year. Hello everybody, this is your old pal around midnight jumping in to remind you that WFHB needs your financial support. This is community radio and it needs help from the community to keep the lights on and the magic radio waves spreading out from the antenna. If you appreciate public affairs radio the way I do, please surf on over to WFHB.org, click on the big donate button, and securely shoot us a few bucks to show your support. You'll be able to hear news that you can't get anywhere else but here. Nobody is covering as much local environmental news, the stuff that affects you directly, as EcoReport does. And we create it all right here in our homey little studio in the old fire bay at the Waldron Center for the Arts here in Bloomington. Whether you're tuning in for the first time today and haven't contributed yet, or you're a 25-year veteran renewing your annual pledge, WFHB is an outstanding commercial-free resource in this community. And it's here because of your support. So thank you. You know, when you contribute to WFHB, you can sit back and enjoy all the wonderful music, news, and public affairs programming we do here, and you can think, this is my radio station community. I contribute to keep it going. And that's true. The majority of the financial support for this station comes from you, the listener. With your help, we can make this station a community resource that you can be proud of. So now's the time. Slide on over to your computer or open up your tablet or smartphone. Go to our website at wfhb.org. Click on the big donate button and securely enter your contribution. You'll be glad you did and so will we. Do it right now. You know, there's a way you can maximize your impact on the station and minimize the effect on yourself if you become a sustaining member by allowing WFHB to withdraw a small amount like five or ten dollars from your checking account every month. I've been doing it for years and I barely notice it. At the end of the year I have the satisfaction of knowing that my contribution made a significant impact on the station. Join me won't you? WFHB.org. You'll be glad you did. Under President Trump, the Department of Defense wants to turn 1.2 million acres of Nevada's Desert National Wildlife Refuge, the largest wildlife refuge in the lower 48 states, into an Air Force bombing range. The Air Force already has a testing and training range adjacent to the refuge. Established in the 1930s to protect desert bighorn sheep and hundreds of other species, the refuge contains 320 bird species, 35 reptile species, 4 amphibian species, and 52 mammal species. The reptile species include the federally threatened desert tortoise. The refuge is a rich human cultural site also, showcasing petroglyphs and rock shelters. The refuge contains historic 19th century wagon roads, hiking and backpacking trails, dunes, and springs. It is significant for its biological diversity, indigenous and emigrant history, and recreational tourism. It is the best remaining undisturbed example of a diverse desert mountain ecosystem. A version of the National Defense Authorization Act passed by the House of Representatives contains protections for the refuge, 
but the Senate's version does not. The bill is scheduled to go into conference in Congress in the immediate future. Democracy Now! reports the Environmental Protection Agency has granted the state government environmental regulatory control of nearly all tribal lands in Oklahoma, rolling back sovereign rights for dozens of tribes. The move effectively cancels out many rights that would have been gained after a landmark Supreme Court ruling earlier this year asserted about half of Oklahoma remains Native American land, recognizing a 19th century U.S. treaty with the Muscogee Creek Nation. In a statement to news outlet The Young Turks, Casey Camp Horanek of the Ponca tribe of Oklahoma said, quote, After over 500 years of oppression, lies, genocide, ecocide, and broken treaties, we should have expected the EPA ruling in favor of racist Governor Stitt of Oklahoma, yet it still stings, end quote. And now for our feature today, we will hear IER reporter Enrique Sands Talk about a carbon credit bill. This summer, if you turned on the news at any point, chances are you heard about a new named storm headed towards the U.S. Climate change has made natural disasters more common. It's increased the average temperatures across the state and changed the way it rains. Stopping climate change from getting worse has never been more important. IER's Beth Edwards tells us about a draft bill being considered by the Indiana legislature that could help address climate change and help pay farmers at the same time. Much needed additional income could be on the way for Hoosier farmers and forest owners if the Indiana legislature passes a proposed carbon offset bill that would compensate them for storing carbon dioxide in their land. The draft bill, which in part mirrors Growing Climate Solutions Act that Senator Mike Braun proposed on the federal level, simplifies the process for interested landowners wanting to participate in the carbon market. State Senator Mark Stoops presented the preliminary draft bill in September to the House Interim Study Committee on Agriculture and Natural Resources. A carbon offset reduces carbon dioxide emissions made at one location by compensating for those emissions in a secondary location. One of the most common ways to offset carbon is through carbon sequestration, the process of storing carbon dioxide captured from the atmosphere. In the case of the proposed bill, farmers would be paid to store carbon dioxide in farm and forest land. The strategy is used by corporations such as Microsoft and Amazon to offset their emissions and lower their carbon footprint to comply with state and federal laws. This is Indiana Senator Mark Stoops. They can make their production efficient, uh, but there are a lot of carbon outputs that they can't, they can't offset without buying carbon offsets from property owners that have forest or farmland that soaks up carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. Before landowners can sell carbon credits on the carbon market, the market often requires a property assessment by a technical service provider to identify how much carbon is in the land. That information must be then verified by a third party. Stoop said companies are already buying and selling carbon credits, but not all of them may be legitimate actors. To help landowners find certified and reputable technical service providers, Stoop's bill calls for the Indiana State Department of Agriculture website listing certified technical service providers. The site would also help landowners implement projects that can produce a tradable carbon credit. Indiana has 5 million acres of forest land, and 87% is privately owned. 
one acre of mature forest can store six tons of carbons per year, which means Indiana forests could store 20 to 30 million metric tons of carbon annually. The state's 15 million acres of farmland could store half a metric ton of carbon per acre, or 8 million metric tons total. Stoop said that could add up to a significant supplementary income for landowners. Now, if you want to think about that in terms of additional revenue for these property owners, carbon offsets are going from anywhere from 50 cents to $22 per ton. So you start multiplying that out into 20 to 30 million tons, 8 million tons for ag, you can see that there's a lot of revenue generated worldwide that, that could be coming to Indiana with a program. Stoops' bill would also allow companies to invest in the President Benjamin Harrison Conservation Trust Fund, formerly known as the Indiana Heritage Trust, to purchase carbon credits. Fees would cover the administration costs of the program. Currently, Indiana companies that are buying carbon credits must buy outside of the state. Daniel Pointer, founder of Carbon Neutral Indiana, said corporations and individuals have expressed interest in buying in-state carbon credits. Carbon Neutral Indiana is affiliated with a nonprofit, Indiana Forest Alliance. According to Pointer, 20% of Hoosiers are willing to spend $40 a month to offset their own carbon emissions. That's over 500,000 Hoosier households. And even if just 5% of that 20% participated, that represents $12 million of demand from Hoosier households. That money should be flowing to Indiana farmers and forest owners. Ray Moistner, executive director of the Indiana Hardwood Lumberman's Association, supports the proposal, but said its success would lie in how it's implemented. He said the greatest opportunity lies at family-owned forests with an average parcel of 37 acres. Carbon trade-offs would provide private landowners a diverse income stream. We are known as the patient farmers because our crop grows very slowly. Steady revenue while the trees are growing is a great incentive to keep lands in forest versus conversion to other uses. Moistner pointed out the proposal could provide much needed funding for the Department of Natural Resources, which could also improve forest health, but it didn't take into account finished wood products. Our $10 billion a year industry must not be overlooked as a source of carbon credits available for purchase, so we think that their manufacturers should also receive credits to trade on finished products. Rick Clark is a fifth-generation farmer from Warren County. He hasn't tilled his land in 16 years and has been using cover crops for the past 11 years. He wanted to make sure ethical practices were used in both farming and accounting of the carbon. He said he has been approached by many organizations trying to buy his carbon credits, but hasn't sold any so far. It's still a new market. It's a young market. Uh, we need to make sure and be careful. Um, but what I'm hearing here today is, is something that, that I like. Ray McCormick, a farmer from the Vincennes area, said farmers are great innovators and would find additional ways to sequester carbon if given the chance. We don't know yet just how much carbon these farmers can sequester, but we do know that every Hoosier farmer is looking for a way for additional income, and what could be a better way to reward those farmers than putting them in the role of saving our planet by sequestering all this carbon dioxide. Ray Schnapp is the conservation director for the Indiana Forest Alliance and said the proposal could be vital to the prevention of converting forests into other land uses, such as roads or homes. She also said forests provide important co-benefits, such as recreation, cooler microclimates, 
and to help prevent flooding and erosion. The forests also provide at least $6,000 worth of ecosystem benefits per acre per year. Jeff Stant, executive director of the Indiana Forest Alliance, supports the proposal as long as it doesn't affect state forests. We would oppose legislation or, or language in this legislation that would link it up to state forest management and imply that it, it's supposed to tell the, the division of forestry how they're supposed to manage their forest to sequester carbon. Stoop says the bill has bipartisan support so far. The bill will next go to the Natural Resources Committee and then possibly to the Senate and House for voting. Hello everyone, I'm Sarah Callanian, a volunteer in the News Department at WFHB. I want you to know that we depend on you for the support you give us year-round, and I want to say thanks for all that. But we still need your financial support in these troubled times. So please point your browser to WFHB.org, click on the big Donate button, and renew your pledge, or pledge for the first time. It's especially gratifying to hear from new members, folks who are discovering us for the first time. You're the ones who are the future of this station. You help us grow. So thanks for helping us out with your contribution. The news department here wins awards year after year, and it's due in large part to you, the listener. With your help, we can send out our intrepid, well, mostly intrepid, reporters to where the news is happening in southern Indiana and bring you coverage you won't get anywhere else. City council meetings, school board meetings, we cover environmental stories too. And it's all because of your contributions. Every little bit helps, and we're happy to accept any amount. But the greatest impact on us, and the smallest impact for you, is for you to become a sustaining member. It works by your giving us permission to take a small amount of your choice out of your bank account every month. $5 is great, $10 is huge. You'll hardly notice it, and it will keep us going through the long dry spells in between pledge drives. So navigate over to WFHB.org and chip in whatever you can afford. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. And for Eco Report, I'm Sarah Callanan. Support for Eco Report comes from Blooming Foods Market and Deli, Bloomington's locally grown co-op grocery since 1976, offering products with a focus on local, fair trade, natural, and organic, with support for farmers, producers, agencies, and artisans. Blooming Foods Market and Deli on East 3rd Street near College Mall, West 6th Street near the Courthouse Square, and Shreve Hall on the Ivy Tech campus. Are you looking for a way to make a difference on environmental issues? Here at EcoReport, we are currently looking for reporters and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for our events calendar. It's that time of year when everyone who gardens has to put their gardens to bed. 
If you are a gardener who enjoys being outdoors, you are invited to clear plots and put the gardens to bed for the winter months on Saturday, October 31st at the Butler Community Gardens from 1 to 4 p.m. or on Sunday, November 1st at the Willie Streeter Community Gardens from 1 to 4 p.m. You will clear plant material and hardware items from the gardens and organize them for winter storage. The Sassafras Audubon Society is hosting a free bird walk on Friday, November 6th from 9 to 11 a.m. at the Flatwoods Park, a county park west of Ellettsville. Enjoy a birding walk with your guide David Rupp of Indigo Birding Nature Tours. You will be searching for sparrows, kinglets, raptors, and more. Pre-registration is required. Contact Rupp at david at indigobirding.com or call 812-679-8978. Masks are mandatory. Enjoy a stone tool demonstration in McCormick's Creek State Park on Friday, October 30th at 6.30 p.m. Learn about the ancient art of flint napping and how early humans used the weapons to hunt ancient mammoths and other megafauna. Call 812-829-2235 for more information. Are you feeling batty? Staying inside all the time can do that to you. So here's your opportunity to learn all about Indiana's 17 different bat species and their fascinating life cycles. Discover which bats migrate and which will overwinter here in Indiana, where bats live and what they eat. Take a short walk and look to the skies to find and identify bats in flight on Friday, October 30th from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. This event will take place at the Lower Cascades Park. Meet at the Waterfall Shelter. Register at bloomington.in.gov slash parks. Bloomington Restorations Incorporated invites you to the monthly Museum Open House Day at the Hinkle Garden Farmstead from 1 to 4 p.m. on Saturday, October 31st. The farmstead is located at 2920 East 10th Street in Bloomington and is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. COVID safety practices will be observed, and masks are required to take an inside tour of the farmhouse. For more information, call 812-336-0909. And that wraps up our show for this week. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Linda Green. Today's feature was produced by IER reporter Enrique Sands. David Lyman wrote the script, and Linda Green and Patrick Callanan edited it. Juliana Daly compiled the events. Patrick Callanan produced and engineered today's show. 
For WFHB, I'm Patrick Callanan. And I'm Sarah Callanan. And this is Eco Report. You've been listening to the Eco Report, a volunteer powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Available for download and podcast at news.wfhb.org. Eco Report is your independent, ecologically inspired news source. For South Central Indiana. Bringing you news that the earth wants you to hear. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Eco Report staff. The email address is earth at wfhb.org. That's earth at wfhb.org.